Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, let me give you a little bit of update about what's going on in in our life. We have <clears throat> sold uh, our uh, our home over on the old Van Vleck Road, and uh, are in the process of uh, moving into our motor home. And uh, we felt the prompting of the Lord as we've done this, and uh, our plans are that uh, we're going to, uh, we just, I was at the place where I felt like that uh, uh, to keep up the, all that we had there was more than, uh, than uh, not that I could do, that I wanted to do, and uh, so we made the decision at the prompting of the Lord to sell that, uh, being available to him uh, I'm going to preach today uh, on a promise and uh, a fulfilled promise I'm going to challenge you to uh, to reach back into your earlier years and examine what it is that uh, you may need to do in light of fulfilling the purpose that you have for God. I do want to make a plug for uh, our life group beginning February the 1st. We're going to be on the topic of me and my big mouth with a, a little bit of touch of proverbs. Every class my wife is going to touch on a proverb and then we're going to talk about the power of the spoken word. Now, the Bible tells me that there is death and life in the power of my tongue. Now, if I believe the Bible, then I have to believe that my life is affected by what I say. And I feel like when the Word cautions us about words that destroy, I believe that we need to spend some time learning about that. So that's where Sharon and I are going in this uh, life group that we have there. This year, 2021, Pastor has challenged us in our approach to ministry to involve people, purpose, and passion. And he shared with us in the last three Sundays just a snapshot, a little bit about where we're going this year as we attempt as a church-wide effort to touch the lives of people, discover our purpose, and, and renew and relight our passion. 
Now, I don't know about you, but life gets kind of mundane. It's kind of routine. When's the last time that you really, honestly, were passionate about something? You remember how you used to get, I mean, so caught up and turned on over things that that really weren't that big a deal, but there was something that ignited you. So I want to begin this morning with this question. When did you stop dreaming? Now, for most of us, or for many of us, it probably began when we stopped believing those dreams would or could come true. Or maybe it was when it seemed that the dreams were just absolutely too big to ever happen. You remember those dreams that as a child you just was a reoccurring thing and you just talked about it and you dreamed about it, but somewhere you lost them because maybe those dreams just began to, to seem to be impossible in the midst of that. Or maybe you just decided that those dreams were just too silly and Childhood dreams, I'll never be a rock star, I'll never play for the NFL, or I'll never do those kinds of things in the midst of that. I want to talk to you today about possessing past promises, because you see, finding our purpose to bless people and inspire passion, I believe, is directly connected to your dreams. See, I believe that in the DNA of every one of us that we are so wonderfully and so uniquely made that God birthed inside of us from our mother's womb purpose. And I believe that that purpose was revealed to us in our years of growing up and maturing through those things that were important to us. Now, there is such a thing as a childish dream. There is such a thing as, you know, for for me to want to become a rock star wouldn't, well, most rock stars can't sing anyway, but I was going to say it wouldn't work for me because I couldn't sing. But maybe I could have been a rock star, but I didn't want to be. But I want to challenge you today, and I want to give you a good biblical illustration of why you and I must hold on to our dreams, that we need to look inside once again and find what it is. Now, this is a very familiar passage that I put on the screen. Most of us know it by heart, Hebrews 11.1. It simply says this, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But I want to, by repetition, I want to actually bore you with this verse this morning as I show you what it really says. Notice, first of all, is the word now. Now, when you look at that word now, what it means is this, at the present time or at this moment, now faith is. Now, notice, not only when you go down, now faith at this present moment is, that means exist. You, you know, if you would quit praying to have more faith, and begin to activate the faith that you have 
you would see God at work in your life on a greater level. I don't know how many times over the years I have prayed and I have heard others pray, Oh God, increase our faith that we might be able to walk through this circumstance or deal with this situation. Stop that. Just begin to receive it because the Bible says now faith is. At this very moment, faith exists. It's not something that you have to hunt for. It's something God has imparted to us by His Word. So he says now faith at this present time or moment is. That means it exists. Notice what it is. What is this now faith? It is the assurance The assurance, well, what does that word mean? A positive declaration intended to give confidence. Are you ready for it? It's a promise. Now faith is the assurance of the promise given. Are you following me? Notice this next word. It is not only that, it is of things hoped for. That word hope means grounds for believing something good may happen. So when you read this, it says, now at this present moment, faith exists for the purpose of becoming a positive declaration of something good, and it is the grounds for believing that. You see, faith is not some kind of, some kind of hope so, maybe so. No, faith is. Faith is right now. Faith exists. We have it. And that faith that we have gives us the assurance or the lack of that faith gives us the fear that we'll never see it happen. I'm asking you, when did you stop dreaming? When did you let that promise die? God spoke to you at some time in your life, in your journey. You saw yourself in something other than what you're doing. Now, let's finish that verse. Not only is it something hoped for, it is the conviction. See, now we've moved, we've moved from that era to where Pastor was talking about, for I am thoroughly convinced. See, faith is not a hope so, maybe so. Faith is something that exists right now for the purpose of bringing you to a place of conviction. I am convicted that this is so. Sharon and I are convicted that it's right to sell our place. Does it make sense? No. Is it easy? No. But we have a conviction. The other day she said to me, how are you feeling about all this? When we were so tired, we could hardly wiggle. You're not there yet, so you don't even have an idea of what it is. And you know, I said, in light of all that's going on, I feel so confident that we're doing exactly what God wants us to do. Now you say, but Brother Jim, you you know, how does that work? Well, Well, let me tell you, see, I have a conviction that he who began a good work in me can bring it to completion. You see, I am thoroughly persuaded that he is able because of who he is, not who I am. All I need to do is say, yes, Lord, and begin to walk it out. And when I do that, let me tell you, 
This is not the first time we've done that. It's the first time I've ever done it at this age. I remember sitting right here during that season when Sharon and I were stepping down as lead pastor here. And God had spoke to us about doing a Barnabas Ministries, a ministry of encouragement. The Lord began to deal with me, and he, he began to say there's a lot of churches and a lot of pastors that are struggling out there. Now, this was eight years ago. Longer than that. Fifteen years ago. I was 65. I'm 78. Do the math. Thirteen years ago. And we were sitting right there, and, and Sharon had a moment of doubt, and she said, Lord, we don't know anybody anywhere. To which the Lord responded to her, yeah, but I do. And he began to lead us on that seven-year journey of fulfilling that calling and that stage of our life, and we lacked for no good thing. No good thing. So you see, faith in what he has done in the past brings me to the place where I'm confident that he's able to do it. See, that's where we need to be in the midst of this. Now, notice this right here. He said, of things not seen. That means you don't discern it with your eyes. See, I'm convinced that in 2021, God is going to move you, individually you, into places of usefulness in the kingdom, purpose, that you have never experienced. He even may make you a little bit uncomfortable. But you see, on his mind is people. Not only lost people, not only people that have never confessed faith in Jesus Christ, but saved people who are struggling. And I believe that God is going to move in the hearts of those of us who belong to him and who actually believe that faith is now and we are actually convinced that he is able to lead us to do things that our eyes can't even see. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about where you are. God wants to lead you in that place. 2020 has been an unusual year. I've never lived a year like it. I told the pastors in the pastor's meeting, I said, in all of my years of welcoming a new year, I have never, ever welcomed a new year like this year. It's different. You may see the problem. God sees the potential. You may see the difficulty. God sees far more than that. And he is going to open your minds and open your hearts and open your spirits and you're going to begin a dream and to begin to see a dream and begin to have a dream rebirth inside of you that you had long laid to rest so that he can fulfill his purpose of touching people and instilling passion in their life. I want to read this to you. I don't know that you'll like it, but that's not even the issue. I just want to read it to you because the Lord gave it to me and instructed me to read it to you this morning. I'm going to read from my notes because the, 
appetite back there is too small. But you can read it here. This is what he said to me on the 20th day of this month, 3.30 in the morning. All COVID has done is put a face on what has always been present in this fallen world. Now let that sink in. All COVID has done is put a face on what has always been present in this fallen world and given a platform to those who are trying to destroy the plan and purpose that I have for this world and for my people. Now, if you have done any research, if you have looked anywhere, if you have researched anything, you have seen the major difference between the pandemic that we're currently in and past pandemics has been the public proclamation of its awfulness. He went on and told me, there has always been the evil one and the spirit of fear at work in the fallen world. And until my people take a personal stand against this evil deception and begin to confront it according to my word and exercise the authority over, according to my word, it will continue to manifest and increase. Not just COVID, but all evil. Hiding is not the answer. Vaccine is not the Savior. Fear begets fear. Faith begets faith. You must believe my word and my way is your deliverance, and I alone am your Savior. The triune purpose of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10.10. He said, my triune purpose is resurrect, reclaim, and restore. Resurrect what is died, reclaim what is rightfully mine, and restore what has been stolen. Have I not told you that the proof is in the works? A spirit and a person are known by the results of what they manifest. We're known by the works. Now that's what the Lord, the Lord told me about this. Because 2020 was such an unusual year, it has been a fertile field for the develop. For the devil to develop in. Notice if you would here in John 10, 10, the verse that I quoted, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. His, his favorite tools, the enemy's favorite tools are one, fear. Fear, discouragement, and disappointment. Fear, discouragement, and disappointment. That is the tools that he uses as he reaches into the lives of people and tries to bring deception into our life. Proverbs tells us this, in that Proverbs says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, 
and a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, only you know that. Only you know that in your life. I, I don't know where you are with God, and, and I'm not responsible particularly for where you are and how you respond. I am personally responsible for how my wife and I respond. God has set me as, a, as the overseer in this household, so I'm accountable to him for, he, for she and I in the midst of that. Now, notice this. I want to give you a biblical example now. I've been talking just, I want to talk to you about the, uh, a biblical promise that is, has been given. Now, this message is going to go all the way from Exodus all the way over to Corinth, to 1 Corinthians. And hopefully I'm going to get through it quickly so that I don't bore you with information. But here's the thing I don't want you to understand. God has given us a promise. Now, when you read in the Bible a promise from God, you have either two options. You see, not to believe it is to reject it. So when you read the promise, for instance, let's go back to what we were talking about. When he says in, in, in Proverbs, twice in Proverbs, he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, now you're faced with two choices with that information. You either say, yes, Lord, what I say has something to do with my well-being because you said so, or you're able to dismiss it and say, oh, it's just words, I'm just talking, it doesn't really matter. That's your choice. So I want you to keep in mind that when you receive the promises of God or when you hear the promises of God or when you read the promises of God, the devil comes along and wants to instill in your life fear, discouragement, disappointment. He wants you to say, yeah, but what about? Yeah, but what about this? And That's leaning to your own understanding. What God wants us to do is in this right now faith that exists, he wants us to read the promise and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It does matter what I say. Yes, Lord. Your promises are yes and amen. Yes, Lord. What you're saying is so because you said it and you're not a man that you should lie. Are you understanding where I'm headed with this? Now, I want you to follow along with me as I'm going to read this verse and I want to lay some groundwork and then I'm going to lead you in the end of this in five things that I believe that will help you possess your promise. Now, you know, growing up, I wanted to own a wrecking yard. You're talking about a junkyard when I was a kid. I remember riding with my folks in the car, going somewhere, and there would be this whole countryside over there littered with, I mean, just hundreds of old wrecked, dis uh, disassembled, abandoned cars. And I would think, man, if I just had that, what could I build out of that? But, you know, in the midst of that dream, it wasn't that God wanted me to recognize that he was promising me a future in a wrecking yard. He was promised me a future in reclamation, in reclaiming, in reusing, in taking broken things and making letting him make fixed things. See, it comes back to that resurrect. You see, he, he wants to take that which is broken and fix it. He wants to take the mind that is tormented 
and bring peace. See, that's what he's looking for. So he wasn't, he, the dream wasn't about me owning a record yard. The dream was about building and restoration. You know, I said the first 20 years of harvest time, they needed a Jim Hardaway because I'm a builder. I know plumbing. I know electricity. I know construction. Much of what you're setting in here is at the, at the work of my leadership and my hands of, of physically putting this up. You would not believe this worship center had you seen it some 34 years ago. Totally different. A little stage over in that corner. Classrooms across the top. You, you wouldn't have recognized it. So the first 20 years, they needed that builder, that repairer. And now they've got a Pastor Noah and a Miss Becky. That organizer, that structure, that deliberate, that intentional kind of guy in that. See, that, that's all a part of the plan and the purpose of God. And I just rejoice as I watch what God's doing in this place. I planted, Apollos watered, and God caused the increase. See, don't get anybody. That's a dream. See, that's a dream that's come to pass. Now, let's look at this biblical dream. Now, here it is. This is Exodus 3.17. So, I, God, said, I, God, will bring you, uh, bring you out of the afflictions of Egypt. Now, remember, 430 years, the people of God had been in bondage in Egypt. So, here comes God with this preposterous, unthinkable, unbelievable promise, I am going to bring you out of your bondage. Some of you sitting here today have been bound for so many years, you don't even think that it's possible to be free. Freedom is something that is escapes your reality. And God's saying to you, let it be birthed in you. Deliverance is at hand. Healing is yours. Victory is yours. You don't have to live a life of fear and disappointment and discouragement. It doesn't have to be gloom, despair, and agony on me. It can be victory. It can be life and life abundantly by receiving the promises that God has for you in His Word in the midst of that. Now notice He said, I'm not only going to bring you out, I'm going to bring you into a place that what? Flows with milk and honey. Now that means it's got all the good stuff. It's got all the accessories. It's got everything that you possibly could ever need. Now how many of you know that 430 years of bondage will bring you to the place where you're not real sure God even knows you're alive? And now he comes along and said, hey, I got a deal. I'm bring you out. I'm going to resurrect you thought it was dead? You thought Israel no longer existed? I, I'm about to resurrect it. And I'm going to lead you out. And I'm not going to lead you out in the poverty spirit. I'm going to lead you out in victory. Now notice what happens. Time passes. They sent some men into this promised land. They come back. And you know what their report is? What God said is so. 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 Notice their report. They told him. 
They told Moses, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. Wow, you can't hardly beat that. Now, here's the problem. Notice the problem. This is number 13 now. The problem is, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are COVID. I mean, they're strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, Anak was one of those uh, prehistoric giants that they talk about. Now, here's the consequence. What happened because they refused to believe God? See, I'm trying to tie this together with your promise. What happens when an individual has a prompting of the Holy Spirit, a leading of the Holy Spirit, a promise in the Word of God, what happens? Is it is it non-consequential? In other words, if if God says to me, Jim, I want you to sell your place, move in your motor home, I want you to get ready for the next stage, and I say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to continue to live there because it's comfortable, because I built it for my old age. I'm able to stay there. It's cheap to live there. Is there no consequence for that? Ladies and gentlemen, there is a consequence. Every disobedience brings a consequence. Now, you can say, oh, me or amen, but it's the truth. See, I'm not talking about some non-consequential, some make a choice, don't make a choice, uh, obey, don't. I'm talking about God has a purpose for your life because God's heart is to touch people and God wants to use you and I to touch people and bring a passion back in our life as well as in theirs. That's our purpose. That's what we're here for. God didn't give you what you have just to make you look good to your neighbor. He gave you what you have so that you can take what you have and use it to touch people so that the passion of God burns inside of them. See, we're caught. We don't like to think it, church, but we're caught up in this meism of today. Because I'll guarantee you, your first consideration to every promise that God has given or ever made you revolves around you. How does it affect me? Is that not true? Is that amen or oh me? Yeah, it's, it's true. God said, I want you to go there, but what about me? I want you to go to Brazil? But what about my family and what about me? You know how far God it is to Brazil? <laughs> it's a long way. There's no safer place on the planet to be with COVID or without it than in the center of God's will. Can I say it again? There's no safer place on the planet to be than in the center of of God's will. Now here's the consequence. What happened because they refused to receive the promise? Here it is. 
Numbers 14, surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore unto their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurned me see it. But my servant Caleb... Now, back up a minute. You remember when he sent the 12 spies into the promised land? They came back and they said, hallelujah, it's just like God said. It actually flows with milk and honey. They brought back a cluster of grapes that had to be carried between two men on a pole on their shoulders. That's how it was like God said. You'll remember there were two, Joshua and Caleb, said, by all means, let's go in and take it. If God's promised it, it's ours to take. But 10 of the 12 spies, if you'll go back and read that, I just reread it again this morning. This is what it said. They instilled fear among the people. even to the point they wanted to go back to how it used to be. See, there is a consequence. He said, you're not going to enter in. You're not going to possess the promise because you wouldn't believe it. The consequence is they missed it because they wouldn't believe. Listen, God wants us to take him at his word, church. When God says it, he means it. You know, we're, 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 we love John 3.16. We love the fact that God for so ever loved us all, every one of us. But you, that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story. That's simply saying, you, God, have permission in my life to use me because I was dead, now I'm alive in the midst of that. Now, just a little sidetrack. I want to show you this. Not to be, not, not to be cruel, but I want to show you this. Now, Moses was a great man, greatest, one of the greatest ever lived. I thought it interesting. Moses died. God buried him, the Bible says. 30 days of mourning. And then he is now shifting the leadership of the nation of Israel from Moses to Joshua. So he begins to deal with Joshua. And this is what he says in Joshua 1, 2, and 3. Now, this may sound callous and cold to you, but listen to what he says. Moses, my servant, is dead. Hello? Now therefore, arise, cross the Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving them to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads I have given to you just as I spoke to Moses. Now see, Moses is still influencing He's been dead. Can, can I say this to you and not, not feel, not, not seem callous? I, I'm not this way at all. God views death 
in a totally different way than you and I view death. Moses run his race. I just think this is what God was thinking. Moses was here, messed up a few times, did a good job, came in on the end with a victory. Not really. He didn't even get to see the land that he promised because he disobeyed the promise. Uh, There are no casual commandments, church. There, 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 There are no multiple choice instructions. It's not that you can pick and choose which of the promises you want to believe. The truth is, when God says it, He expects you and I to say, yes, Lord, and begin to put feet to the promise. Yeah, but I don't like that. I like those churches where you go and there's no requirements. You know, you don't have to do anything. You just come and you go home and and they bless you. No, no, no. Listen, we need the truth. And the truth is disobedience always brings a consequence. See, I think part of the problem is is we don't really understand that God is for us. I, I think we've believed the lie. I think somewhere we think, God, maybe you're making a mistake. Maybe it's not as it would seem. Maybe, God, you're all outdated. And, and you know, your word is, gosh, it's been around for hundreds of years. And, and maybe there's something. See, that's, we toy with that. We think about those things. And, and the reality is, is, is that God's promises are yes and amen. Now notice this. Here's the fulfilled promise. This is the most exciting part of this whole story. And I'm going to read the passage to you out of this book of Joshua chapter 14. Now remember, let me just kind of recap. God said to Moses, go lead my people to the land that I'm going to show you. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. They left some million and a half. They made the journey that could have been made in 11 days. They sent some spies out. They came back. They said it is as God said it was. They refused to possess the promise. God said, all right, we're going to let you wander for 40 years and everybody that rejected the promise is going to die, but your children are going to enjoy the promise because God made it, and it is for sure an amen. And just because you missed it does not mean your kids missed it. Now, you remember that. Now, notice this is what happened. Let me... Let me Summarize it for you. Joshua is now in control. Moses had died. But the promise hadn't died. Now God says to Joshua, possess the land. Possess the promise. It's still there for you. Possess it. 
Go for it. Reach out and get it. Now, that wasn't last week, church. Forty-five years since Moses gave the promise at Kadesh Barnea to the passage that I'm about to read. Now, listen to what one of those two faithful spies said. The sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgad. And Caleb, remember him? Joshua and Caleb, the two that gave the good report. The son of Zephaniah, the Kenzanite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea? Listen, I was 40 years old when Moses spoke. The servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back the word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, Caleb says, now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness and behold, I am 85 years old today. How far back can we go to get our promise? Well, I think biblically we can go 45 years back. And most of you in here can't even go back that far. That's pre-womb for you. But you see, I can easily go back 45 days and I say, All right, God, you've spoken promise after promise after promise to Sharon and I. You said, I'm going to give you houses and lands that you did not build. He, he, he spoke promise after promise over this church. I'm beginning to see some of those promises fulfilled right today as I'm here enjoying the presence. I'm watching it happen, to which I say, thank you, Jesus, 34 years ago when this church began. Wow. God is a faithful God. His promises are yes and amen. Now, notice he said, give me the land that was promised to me. Now, my challenge to you this morning is, Will you say to God, give me, give me the promise. Give me what you promised to me. See, I believe a part of, let me, just, just a little side note here. When I was a sophomore in high school, I was attending a, a Baptist church in Odessa, Texas. That's where we were living at the time. I, I went to 16 different schools before I graduated high school. And you think it's hard on you kids to move? Listen, sometimes we moved every three months. My dad worked road construction. He would come in on, in the afternoon and he'd say to my mother, Clara, we've got to be in Brownsville Monday morning for me to start a new job. Or he'd come in and he'd say, 
Tuesday, I've got to be in Midland, Texas, or Big Spring, Texas, or Freona, Texas, or Snyder, Texas, or Flower Buff, Texas, or Corpus Christi, Texas. And a little bit later, he'd come an old two-ton browning root truck, and we'd load all our junk on it, and here we'd go. Listen, God's got a dream for you. Don't sell yourself short. Don't stop. Don't settle. Don't you let COVID steal from you what God has for you in purpose and direction. Don't you do it. Don't you listen to the naysayers. I'm telling you again, the safest place you can be on this planet is in the very center of God's will for your life. I'm going to say to you as God told to me, the vaccination is not your Savior. Jesus is your Savior. In Him dwells all those things. Now, am I saying be stupid? Absolutely not. But I am saying listen to what God is saying in the midst of that. Now, let me share with you these six things, and I'll be through. First of all, I want you to know the promise is for a purpose. See, see, back during the early days of the charismatic movement, which we walked through, when, when there was a lot of misconception about the promises of God, and, and you know, there was a lot of folks got caught up in this, name it and claim it, and, and, uh, and found themselves in very, very dire straits because they weren't obeying the promises that God has given, but they had been obeying the wrong promises. I want you to search your heart. I want you to go back as long as necessary. And I want you to ask God, God, show me what you were trying to show me back then. Maybe you weren't supposed to be the quarterback in the NFL, and thank God you're not. Maybe he meant you were going to fight on a different field with different weapons and bring about a different kind of result. Ask him, God, show me. Show me what you were telling me back then. Show me what you were ch- Let me see your promise again, Father. I want to see it. Let's be like Caleb and say, Moses said I could have it. Bless God, 45 years is not going to steal it. And I'm going to take it today. Give me my mountain. And if you go back and reread that chapter, the last line after he takes his land, listen to this. And there was peace in the land. Why? The promise had been possessed. He had gotten what it was that God had promised him 45 years before. Isn't that awesome? So you got to know that your promise is for a purpose. Your promise is not to necessarily make you look good, but it's not to make you look bad either. You know, the promise is not, is not in some way to, to make you less than you are. It, it's to fulfill who you really are. It's, it's to make you more useful than you've ever been in the big scheme of thing, of touching people, finding purpose and instilling 
passion in the midst of that. So know your promises for a purpose. There, there, there's a reason why God gave you that dream as a child. There's, there's a reason why he gave you that vision one night while you were asleep. You need to remember that. Secondly, you need to know that the promise is to be possessed. You know, God's not, God's not holding, you, you know, this there's something over here, and you move, and then he snatches it back. Come on. Come on, Derek. Come on. Come, come, come on. Come, come on. Come on. Come on. No. That's not God. He made the promise so you could possess it. Listen, the reason, the reason Caleb, it took Caleb 45 years wasn't Caleb's fault. It was the people he hung out with. It was their fault. Do you hear that? Do you see that? Oh, it don't matter who I hang out with. You know, I'm not. Oh, it doesn't matter what I listen to. You know, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because they steal the promise. When I was a young man, I had a neighbor boy that I ran around with. He's about two years younger than me. And I was a. a, a a nominal Christian, if I can use that thing. I had professed faith in Jesus Christ, and I had been saved, but I was a young 18, 19-year-old boy, and I had this good friend lived across the street who kind of looked up to me. And uh, so, you know, I went to church and, you know, did like some of you do, you know, just went to church and then lived the way I wanted to. And uh, so... So one, one Monday, this young boy to me, 16, 17-year-old boy, came to me and said, Jim, I got saved last night over at Golden Avenue Baptist Church. Anybody old enough to remember Golden Avenue Baptist Church? And I said, oh, yeah, that's great. About six months ago, I went to see that young man who, by the way, is struggling now with Lou Gehrig's disease. I went to see him, and I said, Ronnie, I need to apologize to you and ask you to forgive me. Because years ago when you came to me and you told me that you had given your heart and life to Jesus, I didn't encourage it. Of course, I didn't discourage it other than the way I lived. But, but, but I, didn't, I, I didn't seek to help him, to help him grow and become who he was and I, it was just nonchalant at the very best. And I said, I want you to forgive me because I, I'm sure I hindered your walk with Jesus in the midst of that. God's promises are yes and amen, and, and he wants you to possess them. You've got to remember and reclaim them. I, I'm challenging you today with all that's within me. Just go back and say, Lord Jesus, would you show me tonight while I sleep? Would you show me in my quiet time? Would you give me a verse? Would you help me understand that you had a purpose that was to affect my purpose? That, that, that you had a, a promise? There was something in my life? And you must focus on the promise, not the problem. You see, that's what they did back over there when the spies came back. Ten of them said, hey, there's too much problems over there. There's giants in the land. The cities are fortified. Joshua and Caleb said, we can well take it because God is for us. He promised us the land and it's ours. All we got to do is go and possess it. See, quit focusing on what you can't do. 
Can I say to you, it'd be so much easier at my stage to say where I am. I mean, yeah, you know, well, what's your plans? Well, hey, I want to build a barnuminium. Maybe even one big enough to park my motor home in. I, I don't know, but, but I know this. I'm going to keep moving forward. Because God gave us a promise, I'll never leave you and I, I'll never forsake you. So if you'll walk where I want you to walk, you're going to walk in the favor of God. Can I say it again to you? There's no safer place on the planet Earth to be than in the center. You must focus on the promise. Possessing the promise is a more of your attitude than it is your circumstance. <laughs> do, am I financially able to do what I'm doing? No. Am I financially insecure if God doesn't come through? Bless God, we're going to... No. Did I retire? No, no, no. I retired from harvest time, remember? I didn't retire a millionaire. I, I didn't work out at the plant and amass all these fortunes. I, I worked at Harvest Time Church there in Bay City, Texas. Y'all remember that? But God has never, ever. Listen, Sharon, I've never missed a meal, never slept in the streets, never lacked for one good thing. Because the heart has been, speak to me your promise and lead me in the paths of your way. You've got to quit looking at your circumstance and begin to listen to the promise of God. And number six, begin to live in that promise. I was 43 years old. I resigned the church that I was pastoring. I really didn't have any visions of starting a church. But that night, I received a phone call, and the person on the other end of the line said, said, Brother Jim, what are you going to do? And I say, well, I don't really know. And said, listen, we've got five acres of land that we want to give you if you're going to start a church. And that was the beginning of where we now sit. I wished I could say I had this visions of grandeur and I saw these buildings and I saw the angels singing over them and man, there was absolutely, I mean, the glory of heaven came down and I was moved by his spirit and I could do nothing else. I was like a duck out of water. I just went from one day to the next doing what it took to make it through the day and bless God he led us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake and bless God there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of folks that are in the kingdom of God today because we simply heard his voice and walked in obedience until we could see the promise fulfilled and then sat back and say, oh, that's what you meant. Oh, that's where we were going. All this time, I didn't know where we were going, but now I see, and it's good. And I want to say to you, please, 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 do not neglect the promises of God. Listen to what Paul said. For as many 
as are the promises of God in him. They are what? Yes. Therefore, because they are yes in him, therefore also through him are amen. Amen means so be it. To the glory of God through us, through you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. Through you, the promises of God become yes and amen as you listen and obey them in the midst of that. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want to just tell you, church, if you don't know Jesus, you're simply floundering through life. Oh, you may think you're in control, but the reality is, is you're not. See, it's like the Lord told Sharon all those years ago, sitting right over there on that seat. You may not know anybody, but I do. Same thing he's telling me. You, you don't know where there's any land, but I do. You don't know how you're going to make it happen, but I do. But I want you to know this. I know His promises. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging bread. God is faithful. His promises are yes and amen. Will you stir them up? Church, will you stir them up? Will you say, God... Give me a dream. Give me something to possess. Give me something to believe for. Give me something that I can do. Give me something. Whether it seems possible or not, whether it's impossible or not, whether everybody makes fun of me or not, I'm going to do it, God, because you gave me a promise. And as you begin to walk that out and you begin to live out your dream and you begin to talk toward your dream and you begin to do your dream, I'll tell you one thing. God's going to come along beside you and someday you'll say, as I say today, who would have thought it? Look what God has done. Father, thank you for faithfulness. Thank you, Father, that when we are short-sighted, you're not. When we're short on faith, you're not. When we don't have anything to offer, you do. And Father, thank you as we move into this new year of people, of purpose and passion, that as we find our purpose, we're going to be able to touch people and see passion. And so, Father, we are yours for the taking. And Father, if it's four days, four months, four years, or 45 years, I'm saying with Caleb, Lord, give me what you promised me. Forty-five years later, my step is not abated, nor my strength diminished. I'm well able to possess it. 
because I don't do it in my own strength, but in the strength that you have given to us. And Father, that's our prayer today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And amen. Pastor. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.